0: I need to get downstairs and eat because my wife made beer bread and I fucking can't wait to go dig my face in that right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Drop Podcast. Where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Coulot, and this episode is presented by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. What's going on,
1: everyone? Uh, we got a big episode this week. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we have an unbelievable interview with Nick Bova at the end of it. So make sure you stay tuned. Uh, it is a do not miss interview. Nick is a tremendous golfer and instructor, at, and uh, we go and talk about all kinds of stuff. It's really, really a great interview. Last week, we announced that we, had, we were on iTunes now. So if you missed that, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, that's, a, that's a good spot to listen to us. You can also listen to us on Spotify. Both of those are The Drop Podcast. Give it a listen, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter as well, our social media handles. That's at the Drop underscore pod. Uh, you can find all our content there. Like, follow, keep up with, uh, with all the stuff that we're doing. Lastly, we got a YouTube channel. We've been putting all kinds of content, videos. All our stuff is is really there. That's the Drop podcast on YouTube. Uh, Hit that bell for notifications. Like the videos. Subscribe to follow along.
0: Yeah, just want to keep emphasizing. You know the you know Instagram and YouTube. You know we're doing our best to get out there and keep pushing as much content out as we can. You know we got a lot of stuff still to come this month. You know, but as January starts to roll around, it may get a little more difficult for us to, to get it out. So we might just hit the pause button a little bit there come January and February before we get going full throttle again in, in March. Um, but real quick, before we get going, Ryan, I do want to touch a little bit on, if anybody has not seen it yet, we got our first ever giveaway here on the Drop Podcast. We've been fortunate, as I said in the video, to connect with so many of you guys through DMs or even through text messages for that matter. But Country Club Editions, they were generous enough to to DM me and us at our Instagram handle. And what they are is they they publish limited edition golf art for all different private courses in the entire United States. They sent us a link. They said, pick whatever one you want and we'll ship it out. Didn't charge us a penny. Said it's a free giveaway. So go check those guys out at countryclubeditions.com. They're also on Instagram. Instagram at country underscore club underscore editions. you can see our post we pinned it to instagram it's it's been getting a lot of traction and if you want to you know be eligible to win the, the giveaway make sure you follow the rules um in the post that's provided
1: yeah for sure it is really really good i mean mike brought that to my attention and, and like asked me you know we kind of went through and was like which picture do you want they have all this i mean the the gallery of, of golf images that they have is tremendous especially for New Jersey and it's it's just it's awesome is all you can say about it it's it's an awesome gallery of pictures and and so we picked the one from Matita Conk, giving it away and it's it's been it's awesome it's a great picture yeah if not for really nothing is. else so if you haven't seen yeah, if,
0: it yeah not, if not for if nothing else just go check them out click all the links go check out the artwork yeah. um, because there's so many different courses and it's not just New Jersey but You know, our focus is golfing in the Garden State, so we wanted to find a good piece from there, and we found what we thought was the best one. But if, you know, you're from outside New Jersey and you're listening in PA, North Carolina, wherever, you can find lots and lots of tracks. So go check them out, countryclubeditions.com. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, All right, we got a bunch to jump
1: in. Mike, I thought for this episode what we would do is we cover so many, like such a wide range of topics. When we talked to Nick, that I thought we'd talk about some things and have you and I banter about some things before Nick kind of we kind of before we talk about them with Nick and even if it's just a different branch off a tree that we talked about with Nick, kind of thing. So um, I wanted to start with this one. We've kind of talked about this. I I, I think this is going to be the quickest of of all of them. Par threes, the distance. On a course what are you, what are your uh, officially give us your feelings on par 3 distances on course cuz i i got mine i know we've kind of talked about it but we went up to we i think we talked about it we did Stanton Ridge yeah about uh, about the the and i know we at least talked about it in the golf cart so i don't know if we talked about it on the pod or if you and i were just in the cart talking about it but golf has seemed to change over the years with just making these like really long par 3s and and Quite frankly, I think it's getting ridiculous. So what are your, what are your th- feelings there on, on par-3 distance? What, what should a course have? What yeah, I mean, I think when you think about, about
0: par-3s, you have typically on most golf courses, you have four, okay? And, and I think within those four, there's many things you can do. And I think I'm an advocate of, of let me get one long one. Like give me one challenging par-3 yardage-wise, I'm not talking about like they can't be challenging if it's a short one, but if we're, give me one somewhere in the 200 to 225 ballpark. I think that's the way courses are nowadays because everybody hits the ball so damn far that, you know, that number has now been extended to where it used to be the trouble number for a lot of people or maybe 185 to 200. Now that's just been extended with the technology that's out. So I think there needs to the, be. The clubs are so oh, much yeah, better. The clubs, the golf yeah. balls, and, and frankly, the players too. So. Mm-hmm. I think, I think there needs to be one, in a sense, a longer one. Then there's got to be two middle ranges. There's got to be somewhere in the range of like 150 to a $1. buck 90. Give me two in there in that little ballpark that ranges that you can you can shorten it up if you wanted to and let people be aggressive. or you can extend it a little bit to make it into like the 185 range. And I think that would be, you know, two out of the four right there, you add the, the third is the long one. And listen, I'm a huge advocate of give me that 130-yard par 3. Protect it all you want by, by a nasty green. Throw the bunkers around there. Because I think you and I could probably go back and forth on so many short little par 3s that are dicey. And I know we all look at numbers and say, okay, that's going to be a really hard one. You know. But I know for me, when you think about the ridge at Backbrook, they had that one little par 3 on the back 9, God, I think it's like 14. If you move the tee box to the right-hand side. No, excuse me. It's number 13. Now hold on. Nope. Let me stand corrected. 10, 11, it's 12. The 12th hole at, at the Ridge at Backbrook is is and can be a shorter par 3. You move the tee box to the back right side behind the 11th green, and you're talking about 130-yard par 3, but it's all over water. So we all know that we all mm-hmm. kind of crap our pants a little bit. Now you got to hit 130 yards in the air. you got to make sure you hit it pure. And then if you miss it long, right. now your second shot is coming back into the water. You're, you're, so I, I think there needs to be a – Right, you can't butter knife yeah, no. it over. <laughs> yeah, like, then yeah. it's game in. Then, yep. then you're really struggling. <laughs> but I think there needs to be a, a variety. And I think that's kind of where some courses nowadays are struggling to where it's like, oh, we got to max it all out, and it's got to be deep. I even think from the black tees, you can have a shorter one. Extend a par four if you have yardage that you can use. But I think the idea of throwing a variety out there to people so it's not the same mundane par three, 185, 200 yards, everybody's taking their five, six, seven iron, whatever they're hitting, and and praying they make a three. There needs to be a variety.
1: Yeah. I, I forget who first told me this and – it's like a it's like a nerdy golf architecture thing, but a uh, and I know that Jack Nicholas has said it too. So I, I don't like I, I'm I'm not the only person that has this knowledge, but it, it's out there for everybody. You should hit every club in your bag when you're at a golf course. If not, you're playing the wrong tees is more than likely what it is. And the easy way to do that is to have some reasonable par threes in there, because maybe maybe you're a maybe all your fours and fives are a little long so the, like you're hitting constantly into greens you're hitting 5 iron 6 iron 4 iron hybrid you know something like that uh, a 130 140 yard par 3 you're you're forcing people to utilize the higher clubs and i think that that's uh I think that that's almost like a lost art in in most of the golf courses today. Sure, you're going to have days where the tee boxes will be up or the or the tees will be back or you can rotate it, but like I think if you're looking at like on stock day you should have 125 to 135 yard par th- 3. Then 155 to 165 then 185 to 195 and then like like you said that 210 to 225 yard par 3. I think that that's a good mix. Um and then again, it might be different based on where the tee boxes are, where you're putting the pins. So like yeah, there might be days where it's where it's 125 and then you got a 165 and a 175 and then and then a 225. Sure. Like I don't, I'm not saying get rid of the long one, but uh, yeah, I just, I think it's such an easy way and it it's, it's such a good way. Again, like you said, block it all you want to with throw a ton of bunkers in, throw, throw some super deep bunkers, throw a, a mound in the back that it's, if it rolls off, you're, you know, you're not chipping it back on, do whatever you need to do to protect it. On the, on the shorter one, but uh, but I'll tell you I, I, I feel like we don't have any of those short ones anymore and I just don't know where I don't know where they are. and I'm not saying that you should feel relief when you come to a hole. but if you're constantly getting pounded with like I gotta use this club again or I gotta like this is where I gotta be uh, like this is where I gotta hit from or or this is the like up oh, taking out the hybrid again. Oh, taking out my five iron—it it just like I don't want to say it's a relief because again, it shouldn't necessarily be a relief coming to a hole, but like the relief of like oh, I get to hit a different club. Thing. Yeah, I think I... like let me hit a nine iron into this. Let yeah. me hit a or even using different clubs, like like maybe it's not like maybe for some people it's going to be in between a nine iron and a wedge. Okay, so you gotta you gotta either. You got to either nut up on a on a wedge or or choke down a little and hit uh you know hit a three quarter eight iron or something like like utilize your swings utilize your grip utilize the clubs in your bag yeah mode. and I think that goes along the line, that yeah just, it
0: goes along let's give me a little variety and I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with one way or the other but I think the idea that if I have a variety of par threes that are interesting in distance aesthetically the surrounding areas, the pin locations. Um, you know, because I you know, I, I'm sure there's many par threes that we can think of that that truly stand out that you're like, wow, just because that's short doesn't mean it's easy. And I think that's sometimes mm-hmm. the correlation that people think, like, oh, it's a short par three, I'm gonna make a birdie here. And it's like, yeah, good luck. And I think for me, when I think about those little short par threes, it's one of your favorite courses at Hollywood. You take that fourth hole, for example. Like People look at the number, Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, it's not that far. Okay, it's surrounded by four or five bunkers. The green slopes from back to front. It's nasty as hell.
1: It's nasty, and and the false front that's there, it, it starts nearly where they put the pin. I mean, it starts halfway through to where if you don't hit and stick, and it has any kind of trickle, you got... I don't know 20 feet of it being like slow 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 gaining speed and then it hits the false front and then it's then it's just yeah. off. Not to mention like like you mentioned it's got a ton of bunkers. It's also elevated and it has those two enormous mounds next to it. So so it, that hides some of it too. Uh, that's a like you said that's a ter- that's a, a terrific hole that is sh- pretty short, short if you look at the number, longer than it nature. is. Yeah. But it's
0: not but you're not going up to that hole saying sure. I'm scoring here. You're probably saying, I hope I survive.
1: Exactly. No. <laughs> exactly. And again, that's like the relief of like, okay, I hit a different club because you probably didn't hit. Uh, again, for me, I don't, I think anytime that I've played that whole, that course, I think that's the first time I hit nine iron for the entire day is four holes in. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I think that's, that makes a good golf course. Yeah. So.
0: And, I, and I, I don't, there's so many examples. Is there is do you have a favorite par three? Like, is there one that stands out to you more so than any others? Like, wow, like damn, that was that was nice.
1: That was a good one. I'm putting uh, you on the spot with that. So you really are. You don't let
0: me look at the topic sheet. So I I need to be prepared. No, I, to, I gotta be <laughs> hold on. I gotta be on my toes and throwing you bullets, you know? Well, I
1: I it's not that I don't let you. Let's be clear. You don't like to look at. It's there. It's in the drive for you to look at. You just choose not to. I like to. It. I like to. You know. um, do you like the surprise? I, I get it. Uh, that's a great one. I will say. Um, it's probably up there with some of my fate with like my favorite par three. Uh, there's a par three at um, Ridgewood. I got to play. I was lucky enough to go on. Um, I think not this past summer the summer before and beautiful par 3 um it like super narrow kidney bean I, I don't uh, to be honest I couldn't tell you what number hole it was but it is like anytime that Ridgewood is hosted an open or the uh, not a, not the open the um the Barclays it's one that like everybody it, it's the par 3 that everybody looks for uh that was awesome. Um, there's the one at little mill where, where we were high up mm-hmm. the 17th hole, uh, or the or the eighth hole on the, on the, what was it? Blue course, white course, the one that's super blue. elevated. I was yeah, kind of, I was kind of curious um, to see if
0: you remembered that, to be honest with you.
1: <laughs> oh, how could I forget it? <laughs> uh, that one was, was really neat. Um, yeah, I just those are those are a couple. There's one. Um, there's not in New Jersey. There's one at a golf course called Caledonia down down in Pawleys Island and South Carolina. That's that's beautiful. Um, I'd have to I'd have to think about my favorite par threes. I really, I really, really would. That's a great question. Maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll put that out there, put a, I'll put a list, you put a list, we'll think of it and and maybe we'll put that out on social this week because that's a good okay. Okay. that's a really good one. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of another um, like a public one and um, that I really like. One that I, I usually score well, which means that I usually like it. I think is the eighth at Charleston North. There's that big bunker that's kind of left. You're, you're uh, elevated a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's not it's not as elevated as it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little hole with bunkers long. Yeah, good little hole. I, I don't know why I, I I seem to I seem to always score well there. And by score well, I mean I mean par. <laughs> um, I could hit the green and two putt, like that's that's my, that's how I define it. Uh, I'm trying to think of like Hominy. Hominy's got to have one that I really like. Eleven? Eleven's um, uh, a really good one, you're right. That's a really, really good one. Uh
0: short by that nature. I don't ever got do very crazy, well on. But You got the creek yeah. that runs all in front and on the mm-hmm. left side there. You know, you got the Yeah. That's on the a great right. one.
1: Uh-huh. And you have I feel like the trees on that one, they don't come into play, but you still be like, "Okay, there's a tree line there." Like they just mess with your mind a little bit and they that that is a that is a really good one. You can't tug it at all. You can't be short at all. Um the back is as as I found when you and I played it back when we were talk, throwing the idea of this podcast around. You can't go long at all. I had no idea that you had like three feet beyond it because I had no idea the water was that close to the back of the green. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's a great one too. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna old man this and write it down and I'm gonna think on this.
2: <laughs> there we go.
1: Okay. Um. What about you? You got? I'm sure you have one at, at Manasquan.
0: Well, I, I think uh, you know, like I, I, you know, when you think about par threes, I'll be honest with you, and I know this sounds like repetitive, and I know we've said it, but like when I made the hole in one at the Ridge on that on the uh, oh, how could I forget that one? Well, I was, I didn't the want eighth to, hole, is uh, it was an you eight up seven? I was, how I did was, I forget that one? Of all people, you were the one who spoke so highly of that course, that place, and how, more that, so that yeah, that hole. So I was like, you know what? I'm not. I'm not. I'm just gonna wait for him. I'm gonna wait for him to say it. Yeah. But how did I forget that? Eight that eighth hole there at the ridge, with the rock in the background, a little elevated mm-hmm. green. You got the bunkers on both sides. Like again, that could be a many different yardages. You can play the right side of right. the tee box and be a buck sixty-five, and you can go in the back on the left-hand side, and it could stretch out to almost two hundred yards. So like, that has a variety. Um, but, you know, I, at Manusquan, the 15th hole is to die for. Um, you know, it could be 210 if you go all the way in the back, two and a quarter. you got to hit it over water. you got water all along the left-hand side. Most people bail out right. I think those would be the two for me that kind of stand out more so than any others.
1: Have you, have you ever had a hole-in-one on that one?
0: Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I mean, those are the two for me that kind of stick out more so than others. I mean, we could probably think hard long and hard about even many many others but you know and I know this may sound like odd but like even the 10th hole at Ocean Acres I know that's like a muni in Ocean County it's nothing to brag about in terms of the course the conditions but that little par three plays about a buck 40 it's kind of like an island green that sits out there I think it's their best hole you know, it's not a great yeah. course. It's not always in the greatest conditions. But, like, that hole specifically as a par 3 is neat. It's cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those...
1: That That is a good yeah, one as so well. There's, that, there's, that, that's a yeah, really there's, good there's hole. There's many
0: yeah. different ones that offer many different things. I mean, you could even talk... A, and if... I mean, there's... A,
1: I was just going to say, if Ocean Acres had any kind of like right behind them, if they took care of that clubhouse at all or took care of that porch or like that could be a unbelievable looking hole. And and it is just it's a fairly it's an island green. There's I wouldn't say there's a ton of undulation. I feel like the whole green is tilted, but it's not like you have double breaks or anything like that. It's just surrounded by water. It's a good view. I think it could be much better if some of the outside aesthetics mm-hmm. were better, but it is it is a great hole as yeah. well, like on its own. But I right agree. Now. I
0: think you toss it out there to the crowd, see what everybody else thinks, and maybe we circle back in terms of finding our top three after we sit here and think yeah. about it some more. For sure.
1: I can't believe I'm I'm, I'm embarrassed that I forgot I'm, the ridge because that is one of my favorite holds ever. That is, I, I, I love it. I love. You know why I love it because. I don't think the the golf architect looked at that property and saw that enormous mountain range and just went, this is the par three. And then just, uh, I almost feel like they just backtracked from there. We're putting a hole right here. The wall is going to be the backdrop. Let's backtrack every, I mean, it's just so perfectly placed and it's just so, so you know good. And as you said, it can go from, I feel like there was 15 tee boxes, right? And it's been a while since I've played. But it can go up to, uh, again, without looking at the yardage, can probably go from, like, 125 to 185.
0: Yeah. Now listen, you know, that's like, you know, I, I, I give you, like, you know, like you're starting a round off with a double bogey right there. It's like, you started with a six right off the bat, and you're all pissed off that you dropped the ball there, and you want to start the round over. And I say, nope, we're just continuing. And, yeah. you know, I thought that was your baby.
1: Uh, I mean, baby strong because I've only played the course twice, but I do love that hole and I have talked okay. about it a lot. So it's a double bogey start. Um, that, that's okay. That's all right. Uh, I, I think uh, I, I think we'll make it up uh, with a couple. I'll string together some pars I don't normally get. <laughs>
0: Hey, Ryan. let me talk to you a little bit about Chasing Aces Golf. When you hear that name, what do you think? Hole in Ones. Gotta have them. No doubt. Chasing Aces was launched with the idea that everybody is welcome on the golf course. They believe in building a community through their shared love of the game. I mean, when you're out there playing, you heard about our topics today, par threes. Hole in Ones. Let's go chase that ace no matter who you are. How good of a name is that?
1: There's not a better name in golf. That is a a tremendous name in in golf. Like everybody wants an ace. That's what we're all doing. It doesn't matter if you have none of them. Doesn't matter if you have thirty-six hole-in-ones. It doesn't matter if you have if you have a hundred. Everybody is playing golf. To play good golf, but also we all are wanting a hole-in-one, when we got to get it.
0: Chasing Aces has hats, performing polos, and t-shirts that keep you looking sharp from the clubhouse to the tee box. Visit ChasingAcesGolf.com and find them on Instagram at ChasingAcesGolf. Even the best are Chasing Aces. Course record.
1: Wanted to ask you about what your thoughts are. Um Nick had mentioned the course record at Hamilton Farms. I think he said it's 62 or 63. Let me rephrase. Somebody shot a 62 from the front. Someone shot a 63 from the back. When someone says the course record, does the tee box matter? And I think there's my birdie to make up for, because
0: that's a great question. 100%. I mean, you, course records are entirely solely based on what you shoot from the back tee boxes period end of story has Has to be be the back back. because when you're talking about a course record you're playing the golf course at its championship length and if you're talking about a overall course record it's got to be from those back tees plain and simple. Now I'm not saying if you shoot 65 from the whites, I'm discrediting it. No, but that's not the course record because you didn't stretch out. You didn't play the back tee boxes. I'm not discounting. You make a hole in one from the white tees. Like you make a hole in one that counts. But if you're talking about an overall course record, it's from the championship tees at whatever the courses that you're playing stretched out to its limits. And wherever those black tees are, now I'm not saying that the par 3 is 145 and normally it's 175 that it doesn't count. No, if you're playing the championship tees. Whatever those are that day, if you shoot the record, that's where it counts. Why do you disagree?
1: Uh, you know, I asked the question and I don't, I don't know if I have the answer for it because in one aspect, I totally agree that the the better golfers the people that are playing the back tees are the ones that are going to get the course record and playing the back tees is the tee they should be playing so that would that makes sense to me but if it's someone who as they get older has to play up how do i word this they they're older so they used to play the back tees and now they're now they're 65 55 whatever it is and they play from a yardage that suits their game now and they have the course record. I don't know if I I don't know if I can discount that but I don't and, and maybe there's other reasons like like maybe someone just like that's the distance they they play because so you're supposed to play there's a formula for how the yardage you're supposed to play. It's a percentage of your five iron, right? If you hit your five iron 200 yards, do you know that you look at me like I'm crazy? You are. I never heard this. You don't this. know this? Never heard this. Oh, so, so let's take a timeout. Um, what yardage should I play? There's something to do with your... So, Mike, here it is. I, I just quickly looked it up. It's, it's supposed to be um, you take your five-iron distance and multiply it by 36 to get the distance you should be playing from. So if you know that you hit your five-iron. 200 yards. 200 that's yards. 70, 200. That's the That's the yardage you should be playing from. That's the, that, let me put it this way. That's the max yardage that you should be playing According to. This is, uh, I remember reading this. This is a Golf Digest article. I've never heard of that. (laughs) Um, Super interesting. Maybe we can even link this Golf Digest article into the pod, but it is, uh, it was really interesting to read and it's like, how far you should be you should be so so going back to our original question what how far should you should you play from if if 72 is what you should be playing and you get the course record then then that's great but also if it's not where you should be playing from and you get the course record i don't i find it hard to punish somebody for for
0: not playing outside their ability. I don't, yeah, but I don't I, know how Yeah, I, to... I wouldn't say I'm punishing you know what anybody. because I mean? Because I'm, to me, like, listen, if you shot 65 from the whites and typically you play the blues or the blacks, like, you should still post... No, no, no. You no, should no. still post it, all that. 100%. But in terms of, like, having a record, it's like, I'll give you the example. If... A kid on the freshman basketball team scores 100 points. And then his sophomore year, he's on JV, scores another 100 points. And then on his junior year, he's on JV again, scores another 100 points. And then his senior year of high school basketball, he's finally on the varsity team, and he scores 700 points. has a killer senior year. He doesn't score 1,000 points because it's only what you did on the varsity level. And that's the same thing when it comes to, like, right. a course record. It's It's what did you do on the championship level? So to me, like— It's if you're looking to set a record, you're playing with the big boys. You're going to put your big boy pants on. You're going to tighten that belt strap a little bit. You're going to double knot those shoes and you're going to step back to the blacks. But if you shoot 65 and if you average 10 points as a freshman on the freshman team, I'm not saying that's bad. It's good. But it's not the record that's getting hung in the banner at the high school or in the pro shop at the golf course.
1: OK, I just <laughs> I, I'm, I'm talking, I guess where I'm thinking, I don't know. Again, I, ha, I cannot argue with that because that is sound, sound logic. I just can't. I, I have a tough time faulting somebody who always plays the whites because that's the yardage they should play from. And shoots the course record. From the yardage that they always play. Now, again, I'm not saying you should, like if you're, like if you're a, if your handicap is a, is a plus, like if, like let's look at Troy. If Troy goes up to the, I feel like Little Mel had four or five tees, right? It was like blacks, blues, whites, red. like if he goes up to the white tees and shoots the course record, which he obviously should because he's up, uh, it, you know, several tee boxes, that wouldn't count. But if someone who always plays the white tees, because that's their where they where they should be playing from,
0: I just have a tough time. Yeah, but don't you think? Don't you think that ends uh, not up turn- counting that? You know what I mean? Yeah, don't you think that ends up turning into like a very.
1: But we talked about this. I'm am a very naive. Yeah, uh, I guess Like because, everybody is because, doing the right thing in right, golf. Right, because but ultimately,
0: like, oh, it's, who it's, determines? You know, no one's taking the calculator out before the round, saying, "I hit my five iron 200 yards. I should be playing 72." But today, I don't, I don't feel good. I'm playing the whites, like, and then all of a sudden, like, you shoot 64 from the whites. That's a course record, and then now my name's going on the wall in the in the pro shot because I shot 64. But meanwhile, I should be playing the blacks. But today, I didn't feel good, and I'm trying to justify why I'm playing the whites. I feel like it.
1: That, no, no, no. You don't justify. If, if you, you either always play the whites, you either always play the blues, or you will always play the blacks. And I mean, like, so for me, and, and here's the only thing that I would say is, is like, you always play the blacks, right? You go up.
0: Yeah, I, I personally just like to play I, it out.
1: But you play, no, but, but you're playing with three buddies who you haven't seen in a long time that aren't terribly good golfers. They're all playing the white tees. Do you play up from the white tees with them or do you like uh, like me personally I'll always play with like whatever my buddies are playing like when I play with you we're going to play the black tees right I understand that I got that but when I play with like uh, like I have a couple friends in particular that I know that hey let's 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 play the white tees like I'm not like let's let's just go up and play those that's fine and I'll just join them up there right like that's not Now, the course doesn't have to worry. I'm not sending a course record. But I also know that I usually play a different tee. The only reason I'm playing that tee is because it's inconvenient for me to walk all the way back or walk, like I'm just, I'm having fun with my buddies. Like I want to be with them on the tee box. I want to, like, you know what I mean? So that's, for me, that's, I wouldn't count. That as a course record because I'm not playing a tee that I normally play, but if you play a tee you normally play, that's the only the only thing. And again, maybe I'm being naive about everybody's playing the tee box they should always play. And if they're not, then that's the then that's the issue, you know. Or, or again, I, I again I just might be naive that that someone's going to be. That someone's going to be a plus three and then go play the white tees and call it the course record. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't count that. I wouldn't say that's a course record. Yeah, and record. I think that's if why that's why for that club, me
0: when you're talking course record, it's got to be there's one course record. There's not a course record from the whites, the blues, the blacks, the reds. Like maybe the reds because right. it, the women and men don't always play. They're two different tee boxes. Maybe there's a course record for the women and a course record for the men. Mm-hmm. But the course record is yep. always from the back tees. So you have two, men and women. Plain and simple, to me, I I I, I don't have wiggle room or even gray area to entertain the thought otherwise.
1: I just uh, I'm not saying that like there's a T box course record. I just have a tough time saying that if someone says that's the course record, I don't always ask what T box it's from, because it doesn't matter to me. I I just maybe I maybe I have to now. I don't know. I don't like I said. I don't have an answer so. (laughs) all right guys that's going to be all for mike and i uh we're going to send you now to an interview we did with nick bova nick's the director of instruction at hamilton farms uh he is the 2022 he won the new jersey pga uh championship this year which was held at Manasquan river which we go into in the interview he's been teacher of the year for new jersey um he's been a top 50 instructor in in the u.s uh he's he's a tremendous golf he's a tremendous golf instructor he's well spoken he's got a lot of good stories we had a really good time talking to him so here's our interview with nick
0: tom mown and randy tranger are board certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience they specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they've recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon & Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. All right. Well, listen, tonight we got a, a super special guest here with us tonight. Um, Our guest is, is Nick Bovo. He's a three time all American and Methodist university from 2010 to 2015. He was the first assistant at Friars head in long Island, New York, 2015. He moved on to become a teaching professional Also in 2014, 2015, he was honorable mention top 50 US kids instructor. More recently, he was the 2020 NJ PGA Teacher of the Year. He's also qualified for the PGA Professional Championship in 2011, as well as 2019 through 2022. And I think this year was probably one of his biggest playing years um, in terms of results and success. Where he had two wins, he finished second in the 2022 NJ PGA Player of the Year race, while amassing a huge win at the 95th NJ PGA Championship at Manasquan River, and where he stands now is Director of Instruction since 2019 at Hamilton Farm Golf Club. Nick, I appreciate you coming on, man. I really do.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here.
0: This Listen, is great. So, yeah, so when when Ryan kind of pitched me the idea. You know, at literally, probably the earliest, uh, probably in September. You know, we sat on it, we talked about it, and then a month later, we said, "Let's get this going." And you know, having opportunities to just talk to guys like you and, and other professionals in the state has been, you know, a huge, you know, thanks from us to you guys that are you're willing to give us some time. I know in the beginning, people look at us and like, yeah, you know, who are these two guys? What type of podcast is this? Is this some sort of like joke? Um, and, and our goal is to kind of prove that otherwise. And I think having guys like you on here, Ryan Hager, Chris Dimmick, guys like that, that have been around the business, that are names in the business more or less. Yeah. That's a huge prop for us. So I just want to make sure that you understand how thankful Ryan and I are for you spending some time here with us.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, listen, this is this is, this is my pleasure. You know, this is... Um, Something that's pretty cool nowadays, and to to be asked to do something like this is is pretty good, pretty, pretty special.
0: Yeah. So I guess we'll kind of get started here a little bit, and I know in the past people always like, well, Mike, what are you going to ask me? What are you going to ask me? I want to be prepped a little bit, and I and I kind of like don't like to give any questions because I just like to see what the raw answer is. Um. But sure. let's start. Let's start at the beginning for you. Um. I, I saw that you know you came. From outside of New Jersey, um, and why don't you tell us a little bit of your story from like when you were a kid through high school to su- to your successes in college to to kind of now where you are.
2: Sure. So um, I started out playing golf at a very young age. I mean, basically, <clears throat> as soon as I could stand up, uh, my dad was actually a genius. So he cut down an old bullseye putter, and if you're old enough, you remember what a bullseye is. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> It down, he cut it down so short that when I was able to start to kind of walk around the house, I would use it as a cane to prop myself up. And then once I was able to walk on my own, he then threw golf balls down on the carpet and then I literally just put the balls around the house. Right. So that was like my first real exposure to to the game. Um I've got a a younger brother who's two years younger than me. You know, we played all of our golf together throughout um, you know our younger years. Um, our our mom and dad were divorced, so you know summertime was like, you know we spend every waking moment with dad on the golf course, and and it was you know it was a pretty good uh, pretty good childhood, really to be honest. And uh, he taught both of us how to play. He was a really good player himself. Uh, I actually went to Q school a couple times in the seventies, and uh, was close to making it through a couple times, but then never never got that you know, to the top rung. Uh, And then, you know, high school was, high school was great. You know, we played a lot of golf. Uh, um, I'm from Illinois originally. So uh, my high school team, we finished, I finished second individually in the state tournament one year. And then uh, another year we finished second as a team, which is pretty cool. uh, Which kind of propelled me to college golf at Methodist University. Uh, played. I actually didn't play my freshman year. Uh, so Methodist is interesting because the only way on the golf team is through tr- uh, a tryout, right? So he doesn't give any spots to anybody incoming. Um, and it seems to work. He just won, like, his 13th national championship this year. <laughs> <So, laughs> Got figure it figured out. Um, so, you know, four years there. I, like you said, I was a three-time All-American. Um, you know, I won seven times uh, kind of culminated in a, uh, I was selected for this team USA thing where we played against, uh, you know, our, our counterparts in Japan, actually, uh, we played Tokyo golf club, which is pretty cool. Wow. And then, uh, from there kind of moved on to the operational side of the business. You know, I worked at a place in the mountains of North Carolina. Um, our owner also owned a place, uh, down, in, down in Florida. So we'd go back and forth, and then I ended up getting the—I uh, I couldn't really do anything else there, and then I ended up getting the job at at Friars Head, and and about you know halfway through my time there, I realized that you know I, I loved what I was doing, but I didn't really feel like I was giving anything back to anybody, and um, you know I kind of got tired of working eighty hours and folding shirts, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I could fold a mean shirt, man. Uh, <laughs> Isn't logos. that how
1: everybody changes over? Like, isn't isn't that about like the you know what? I'm I'm folding a
2: great shirt, but but you know
1: I'm feeling more
2: for it. So yeah, you know. So um, I I tried to I tried to think about where I wanted to go. I mean, at at one point I even thought about getting out of the business, um, but then I was like, you know, I I really don't want to spend my time working in an office because that sounds awful to me. Uh, um, so I, I kind of switched it up to, to teaching and coaching and, you know, cause my, my dad taught my brother and I how to play. Uh, my mom was a teacher herself. Um, she was a school teacher. So it's kind of in our, kind of in our blood and, uh, you know, here we are now. So I got the job at Friars Head in, in 2010, was there until 2015. Then went up to, uh, Silanoi Country Club in Bronxville, New York. Up in Westchester, I was there for three years, and then made my way to New Jersey. And lo and behold, here we are.
0: What was the connection? What I guess from 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 Bronxville, New York, to come into Hamilton Farm. Where I mean, did you know somebody did a job open, and you just saw that it was more on the on the director of instruction side. Um, what what was the draw to come to Hamilton Farm?
2: So, so I actually went to Anchor Golf Center in Whippany and it's just a driving range. Right. And I, I worked That's at true. Okay.
0: Yeah. I've heard of that place. I, okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, I worked there for a year and one of the guys that I teach, um, was the former head chef at Hamilton farm. And he was really close with Mike Adams, who was there, you know, Mike's a God in our, in our business. Um, you know, Mike was there before me. And in April of 2018, John comes in. And he's like, hey, you know, Mike's leaving Hamilton Farm. You should get that job.
0: Yeah. Mike's over at Trump Bedminster.
2: No, he's at Fiddler's Elbow now.
0: Fiddler's Elbow. OK, OK, OK. Yeah.
2: So so uh, John says you should get this job in April. And I'm like, I didn't think anything of it. I thought that there's no way that he's leaving. Why would he leave? Whatever. Well, so then John comes again for another lesson in like September he says the same thing. He's like, listen, he's leaving in like a month. You got to get that job. You should, you know, it's a hundred percent. You should, you should go for it. And again, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I haven't heard anything about it. I don't know what's going on, whatever. So then like mid-October, the director of golf at Hamilton Farm was playing in this, this New Jersey team event with me. And uh, we got to talking about some stuff and he says, Hey, can I come take a lesson from you? I said, sure. So we set it up. We were going to spend an hour together. We ended up spending like three hours together at the end of it. he's like, Hey, do you have any, uh, any interest in being the next next director of instruction at Hamilton farm? And I was like, Holy shit. You're You're <laughs> <down. You're laughs> yeah. What do we got to do? Where do we get, you know, where do we go from here? <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> right. So, uh, so then that kind of started the interview process and, and now we're, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to get the job and, um, uh, you know here we are now when when we're doing research for
1: this and and put all this stuff together like seeing all the places i I actually want to know like more about your like your high school golf real quick where
2: where in illinois are you from so i'm from bloomington illinois uh when you and most people think indiana um but but we're in illinois um it's literally right in the middle of state so it's two and a half hours from Chicago and two and a half hours from St. Louis. Okay. So are are um, you, are you a Cubs or Cardinals fan? So actually it's, it's funny. Uh, I I never really watched or followed baseball growing up. So uh, when I got up here to New York, I figured out that I figured out pretty quickly, you were either a, a Yankees giants Rangers fan, or you were a Mets jets and Islander fan. And well, you know, the, the Yankees had just won the World Series in 09 um, the Giants had just won one I think in 07 and then another one in 11 yeah. so I was like I'm them. <laughs> <laughs> <I, I'm> really... <laughs> Dumpster fires and the Mets and the and the Jets so um so but my my dad and brother are big uh, Cubs fans okay so
1: so yeah. my my family I have family about 20 minutes directly west of the city um okay so that's where, that's where my dad's side of the family's from. Right, right outside uh, Lagrange is the is the bigger
2: uh, oh, yeah. like like town, one, I guess. One of my good buddies, uh, well, I guess they're, they're actually two of them. They're twins um, from high school. their uh, Their grandparents, I think, on both sides were from Lagrange.
1: Okay. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Right. Um so. so uh, uh, so yeah, so when you said Illinois, I was interested in, in in whereabouts. But I also like in in Illinois being such a big state. You know, Mike and I know high school golf here. Um, playing high school golf is it like Illinois is so big? How's it broken up to to where like is it
2: like is it three so, regions like North, Central, South kind of thing? Like no, so it's 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 the entire state, right? So uh, like pre post season. Right. So pre like regional sectionals and state. uh, You're essentially just playing all the teams in your conference. Right. So I was in the uh, Bloomington high school was in the big 12 conference. So we would play all of our matches against the other teams inside of our conference. Um, It's actually a little bit different than here. So we would play like nine hole matches on the weekdays. And then every like Friday, Saturday, we played a 36 hole uh tournament at wherever it was right so um we actually played a lot of golf and it's it's a, it's a short season it's mid august to mid october um so we played a lot of golf in just two months okay
1: yeah. uh, i whenever i hear about outside of the state of new jersey i do like like obviously we want to be talking about new jersey golf but i'm interested in how it compares our high school golf to other places especially as you get to states that are so much bigger than, you know, than New yeah, Jersey, so, you know, we could travel
2: two and a half hours,
1: but yeah. but Illinois, you
2: from north to south, it's it's four plus hours. Yeah. So uh, the way it's kind of broken down, so they have, I think now they have three classes, right? And and the, so there's it's class one A, two A, three A. When I was in school, it was one A and two A. And so uh, 1A schools are the smaller schools. 2A schools are the bigger schools. Um, So we were a a 2A program. And, uh, you know, so you play your your local conference stuff in the regular season. And then your regional is basically you're playing against those same teams that you just played against. Then sectional is you're playing against, um, say, the teams within roughly about an hour from you, so to speak. And then states is the entire state. Now, the the nice thing for us being in the middle of the state, all the state tournaments, regardless of the class, boys or girls, were in Bloomington, in my hometown. So they, we played a golf course that I was very familiar with because we essentially practiced at this golf course every day. Oh. So um, so my, my junior year, I finished second individually, which is pretty cool. And then my senior year um, – Actually, the the only time we didn't win a tournament was our our state tournament, and we finished second. So we lost to a Chicago private school, which is always tough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those guys are. It's
0: still, it's still tough now when when public schools lose to private schools in this state too. Yeah. So. Oh
2: yeah, and it's like you know, even back then, those guys were those guys were recruiting and and getting guys, and you know the the team that beat us, they had like four kids go Division One. That,
0: that's Just, a tough, that's a tough beat.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) so so. So it brings in the debate of like public or private school like like public school is like hey just some kids that live nearby the building are coming here whereas like public school or the private school is doing the recruiting and they're trying to get you know trying to you know get guys as much they can it's it's oh yeah i always tend to root for the public
2: schools for that reason yeah oh yeah well so it's funny our 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 football team was really really good. Like we, my last two years, we lost in the state finals, but we got our asses handed to us, right? Like we lost fifty five nothing both times to Chicago private schools. So we made up we made up shirts and made up a uh, a separate trophy that said uh, Illinois State Public School Champions. <laughs> love it, love it. Like, great.
1: like, I like then- UCF a couple years ago, they went undefeated and didn't get invited to the to the final
2: to the playoff. Yeah, it's crazy. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, yes. so let's cool.
0: let's dive a little bit into um, what I think is like a, a an unbelievable thing is your Instagram handle. Um, you know, like I think for golf junkies like Ryan and I and and the audience that follows along and like you putting out that content. You know, this was a conversation that we had with Ryan Hager too. Like, you guys, I feel like are the two guys that that give out so much good stuff, so much helpful stuff, you know, like how much work is that for someone like you that's not only playing golf at a very high level, um, giving out a million lessons, I'm sure nonstop, but then to find time to to put all that type of content together. Because I think what Ryan and I are learning, even for the, the things that we're doing behind the scenes that, I don't think the audience and people truly realize how much time that stuff takes to edit. When it comes out, and it may be forty-five seconds, a ninety-second clip, but you're spending time cutting it up, going back, trying to find the right font, the music, whatever the case is. Um, like, talk a little bit about that content that you share on your Instagram handle.
2: So, like the the way I kind of work it, because I'm not great with like editing stuff. Um, so the way I work it is I'll, I'll basically have a plan of what I want to say, and then I'll, I'll film it like five or six times, sometimes seven, eight, nine times, kind of depending, um, trying to get the message across the best way. Right. And I'll kind of, I'll i I'll kind of change each, each one. And then I kind of just get it to where, you know, by the fifth, sixth, seventh time, whatever it is, you know, I've got a pretty good. Uh, handle of what I want to say, how I want to say it, like order in which I want to say it. So then I don't have a whole lot of of like editing. Now that that's a lot more so towards what I did when I really kind of started doing all the Instagram stuff because then it was like <clears throat> you know pump out all the instructional stuff, all the like little nitty gritty and position stuff and all that you know that that like golf junkie stuff that people really really like, yeah. and now you know, now it's a lot different, you know, now it's, you know, can, can, can I create a 10 second reel that is going to get across the point of what I'm trying to do. And it's fun to look at and is, you know, the music's good. And because, you know, people have an attention span of six seconds now. I mean, it's like crazy. Right. Yeah. So the, the funny thing is in the last probably two years, the best, performing stuff i have on social is the stuff that's like i had a a video that was like four seconds long talking about how you move in the downswing it was literally four seconds and it got eight hundred fifty thousand views like it's like it's crazy right but like little like little it was it was very short it was clean it was easy to understand it was only four seconds so it's like people see that and they see it and, you know, then they rewatch it and then they rewatch it and then they rewatch it and then they follow. And then, you know, it turns into, for me, it turns into a business opportunity, you know, now, when I first,
0: yeah, go ahead, finish, go ahead.
2: when I, when I first started this, it was like, I tried to do it as a way to monetize, right. I was trying to figure out how I can make money off of it. So I would turn follows into uh, clients and so, you know, that's, that's essentially how I built my business. And that's why I did, did it kind of the way I did it.
0: And that, that's exactly what I was going to ask is like, in terms of you putting out that content, what is the ratio in terms of like you locking in somebody that's willing to now pay in a sense to come take a lesson where if I'm watching your stuff, I, I probably can learn a hell of a lot by taking your, your real, your post getting in front of a mirror and just, rewatching that over and over again. Now I get it. It's a lot better if it's one-on-one and you're sitting there watching me swing to correct it. Um, But do you have an idea of what the ratio is to like you getting some clients or some customers or people that sign up for lessons based upon what you're putting out?
2: So I would say, I would say early on the conversion rate was pretty good. You know, I I wouldn't say 50%. I mean, 50% is like crazy good.
0: Yeah. I would say that's incredible.
2: Maybe, maybe fifteen percent, right? But over the course of a year, if I get, you know, if I get a uh, thousand followers, you know, if fifteen percent of that turns into a lesson, you know, that's one hundred fifty new clients. You know, yeah. so that's a pretty pretty good amount. Now, it's it's tougher now because I've got, I've got such a, I guess a large following, right, with like thirty thousand followers so so it's it's a little bit less it's it's almost like I've I've almost caught all the people in my area right so I'm getting these people from outside the area right so um I've had people ask about online stuff that I, I really haven't done online instruction in the in the past but I'm gonna start doing some stuff this winter uh, to kind of get those people that are in California or I got one guy in Belgium right he, he wow. wants to do well you know, he wants to do FaceTime stuff and and that and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of move a little bit more towards that now that I get a better – I got kind of a, a better idea as to how to do it mainly.
0: Yeah, and uh, listen, I'll just plug this real quick. If, if the audience does not follow Nick, I'd actually be surprised, but it's at Nick Bovo Golf on Instagram. Um, you know, if you don't follow him, which I'd be stunned if you didn't, but if you don't, you <laughs> should. Yeah, <laughs> go
2: follow him please do yeah
0: no doubt go ahead you, you got a question right
1: yeah I, I was gonna i was gonna dive into something so nick is this might be a little long-winded here but but i have a, a close buddy who has a close buddy whose name is tuna yeah, i know tuna okay <laughs> <laughs> all right good so that's the first hurdle because my buddy's like i was telling him i was like well we got nick coming on and he's like okay Tell Nick that you you know that you know a buddy who knows Tuna, and I was like, okay, that seems like a lot of degrees of separation there, but eh, whatever, we'll throw it out there.
2: Tuna is the man. He's a great guy, unbelievable guy, real badass though too. If you if you uh, if you ever get a chance to talk to him, ask him a little about a little bit about his backstory. I mean, he's he's got a story to tell for sure. He's got an incredible story that. Um, Hopefully
1: we'll be able to to chat with him at some point. Um, but he was he was telling telling me some uh, some rumors about Hamilton Farm, and I want to ask you: Did Tiger stay at Hamilton Farm when he was rehabbing his
2: back? No. Okay. <laughs> so he was so he was there in 01 prior to us opening. Uh we've got 36 holes at Hamilton Farm. We have an 18-hole say regulation course and then an 18-hole part. Um, so he played the he played the par three course like nine times okay. in 01. Like when Tiger was Tiger. And uh it's pretty funny. So one of our members who has spent a long time, I mean Hamilton Farm, the property's been there as Hamilton Farm for over hundred years. So uh this one member, you know. Worked, worked with the property previous to it being a golf course and then as a golf course and then became a member. And so when Tiger was, was there playing, he played one day, played with like this guy's son. And then Tiger came up to him and said, Hey, is it okay if two of my buddies come and play with me tomorrow? And I said, yeah, sure. No problem. So the next day who shows up, Michael Jordan and Ahmad Rashad. <laughs> 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 they, they played there for like three or four days. Okay, so, but they didn't they didn't stay on property. They they stayed nearby, just came and played. So they I believe they stayed on property when they played, but going back to the original question, Tiger was not there when he was rehabbing his back. Okay, gotcha.
1: Um and then and then the other like part two of that rumor was that Tiger was unable to break par on the short course. Are you able to uh, to confirm or
2: that- deny his his scores there? To my knowledge, that is correct. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and the great the part about it, like, that's when Tiger was Tiger. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. You know he is. J- he just finished the Tiger Slam and and all that stuff. So, um, but I mean, it's it's no the the par three course there is no slouch. I mean, we've got uh, one, two, three. There's like four holes that are over two twenty. Um, we've got the, the ninth hole and the, or I'm sorry, the 10th hole and the 18th hole are like little short ones, but they're island greens, you know, so it's, it's pretty neat. Okay. Um, that, that's super cool. Again,
1: just, you know, like, like rumors of, of rumors of rumors kind of coming through that I figured, now, yeah. you know, we got a, we got a good source to, to kind of clear <laughs> the air with some of them. So, yeah. So, um, it,
2: so I actually, this, this guy that was that, uh said that it was okay for these these other two guys to play his buddies right um he actually knows so much about that place he probably knows more about it than anybody else so when he comes for lessons i pick his brain just to gather information like the uh the guy that owned it said like two guys before us in the 80s um he had this like check into cash business basically. So he was always paranoid that somebody was going to like kidnap his kids and all this other stuff. So he actually had a machine gun range on the back. What, what is now the back of our driving range where like you hit into this, there's like this huge Hill on the back of the range. So at the back of our range, you would stand there and he had like targets and it was machine gun practice for his security. Like crazy. Wow. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. Like he had like bulletproof glass and all the windows and like, it was crazy. I mean, this guy was so paranoid for whatever reason, but. but um, yeah. So
0: let, let's dive a little bit into the course yeah. itself. I mean, I, I, Ryan and I have never been out there. Um, Obviously we, we, we've heard so many amazing things about the place and, and especially the par three course. And then, and then obviously like Ryan said, like doing the research on the place you know, finding out that the Hickory course is the only USGA rated par three course in the United States. You know, that, yeah. that kind of threw Ryan and I for a loop because we were going back and forth like Augusta's par three course has to be rated to find out that when we're doing the research that nope, this is the only one. We were kind of mind blown about that. Yeah. Um yeah. But let let's talk a little bit about both the Highlands course, which is the regular championship course, and then like the Hickory Golf course as well.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah what do you want to know
0: everything like i, I guess i'm fa- <laughs> you know what i am i'm fascinated by the par three course um yeah i i just started playing more competitive golf since since covid and um i want to say like in 2020 or 2021 i tried qualifying for the new jersey state open at Watchung valley and i played with a member at from hamilton farm and he was telling me this story about the par three course and how like it is just unbelievable. So I, I just started nerding out in the middle of the round and just started blitzing him with a gazillion questions. Um I wanna I can't remember his name and I don't want to say the wrong name, but um tell us about the par three course. I think I'm just like I I, I don't know, just like I love that
2: So the uh I, I think the the first hole in the par three is the best par 3 of the 22 we have on property. I think it's I think it's the best one. It's it's a little bit downhill. It plays like 210. Uh the green slopes away from you. It's like a kidney-shaped green almost. Uh false front, falls off on the left. Uh like deep greenside bunker on the right. Like it's just a like the the first hole, you gotta just sack up and hit it, right? And you know, there's because it's right by where it's right by the entrance road, so there's cars driving by and there's people walking by and all this other sort of stuff. So you're like, you're <laughs> yeah. like, what's going on here?
0: <laughs> you just you probably just get it somewhere on the planet Earth.
2: Yeah, you're like, It's it's mostly like you know, maybe I just chip one down into the fairway, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the, the cool thing about it is, you know, you can, you can literally hit essentially every club in your bag, depending on, you know, how far you hit it. But like, for me, I'll basically hit, I'll hit four iron through, you know, my 58 degree wedge playing that golf course, you know? So if, you know, if you struggle, like a lot of the guys that I teach will, for whatever reason, struggle with par three scoring. Right, so I'll just tell them like we have a simple solution. Go to the hickory and figure <laughs> it out. Look, it's not that. It's not. It's we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right, like, just go, go play it and figure out how you strategize to to play that those holes the way you need to. But you know, it's uh, like like I said, one is like two hundred ten yards. Two and three are like one fifty 150 to one fifty five. Four is uh, about one seventy-five. Five is about one ninety. Six is two twenty-five. Seven is one ninety. Eight is one eighty. Nine is one sixty. Ten is one twenty. Eleven is one fifty-five. Twelve is like a hundred. Um, thirteen is one forty-four. driver for you, Mike? you know 14
0: right ride. let's not go down that road right here buddy let's not go down that road
2: 14 like 230 15 is like 195 16 is 130 17 like 240 and then 18 is wow. like 100 and green
0: yeah so i mean that i mean and i would say that probably most golfers would learn and become so much better at golf by playing that course strictly. Because I think I Remember. think we all want to hit it farther. I think that's always like, oh, I want to bomb the ball. But if you gave someone seven, eight, nine iron and say like, go score in the par threes, which you're like, I should be able to that and they make bogeys and doubles and triples, you're like the solution, like you said, is right there. Par three yeah. scoring is is something I think a lot of us probably take for granted.
2: For Sure, you know, I when I play in when I play with members and we play matches and stuff like that, like I always, you know, they say um, 95% of the time a match is won on the first tee. Well, I always finagle it to where they don't get any shots on the par threes because I know that that's an automatic win for me because I can hit a grain and two putt. And you know, I'm playing with a, I mean, even a scratch golfer out there, you know, a scratch golfer realistically is going to shoot 75 roughly every time. So they're making a handful of bogeys. So, you know, if, if, if they can learn to play those shorter holes more effectively and get rid of big numbers, you know, make bogey, the worst number you can make, you know, you're going to save a lot of strokes for sure. No
0: no doubt. Yeah. And I, and I think those par threes are, are an area where I think a lot of us definitely can improve at. There's no doubt, you know, and, and, you know, I, I like the fact here and that it's not all two and a quarter par threes. You know, like, uh, Ryan and I have had this conversation many times that, like, we don't understand why every par three on every golf course we play, you know, when we play the back tees, it's it's 230. Like, where whatever happened to, like, the 115 to 130-yard par three that's protected by bunkers, like, why does you know, everything need to be so far?
2: It's because it's it's that tiger boom and then into oh. an out the distance boom, it's like... You know, people are hitting it farther and farther and farther. You know, so where it used to be, now, which is interesting, because you know, if, if you're not hosting a tour event, I don't see any reason why you should ever have a par three set at 230. Um, but you know, the I, I think the the theory behind it is that you know, the best players in the world, you know, 30 years ago, from 190 yards, were hitting five irons and four irons, and now they can hit those numbers from 230. Right. So are like, oh, well, we'll just, we'll just make the whole 40 yards long enough. Yeah. Just back it up, you know, and for the average guy that's going to go play that back tee, he's going to tee up a driver and try to rip it like it's a short par four. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Makes no sense. Like, go play up. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think that's kind of, that's just a, a product of kind of the age we're in right now. Mm-hmm. No, I but, agree. I, th- I think that'll. I think I think that'll change. You know, you get designers like Corin Crenshaw and the guys that did Hamilton Farm, Hurston, and, and and Fry. Like most of their golf courses are, you know, they've got like one long par three, one medium, one short, and then, you know, the last one's kind of just a matter of how they feel like they're, you know, whatever it is that they feel like they need at the at that time. But um, I think you're starting to see some newer uh designs that have some of these shorter holes because you know they're i mean historically when you look at the the historical designers of back in the day you know they all had short little holes that were crazy difficult with funky greens and all this other stuff so so i think that a lot of that stuff's starting to come back
1: yeah just it it blows our mind every time like when we were talking about it about like having having a hole like you you should play a golf course and every club in your bag should be hit but if every par 3 is over 200 yards it, it you're not you're eliminating those you're eliminating four holes where you could be using something different
2: yeah i mean you know you're you've got three opportunities where you're missing the boat yeah you know it's fine make one of them 230 but make the next one 140 Exactly. Right? and then make 190 and make the next one 160 right yep. that gives you a pretty, it gives you a pretty good test of everything that you got in your bag for sure
0: all right so i guess so you know like let's get into the to the highlands course i think a little bit there um obviously i know that's the the championship course um and and obviously just reading some things about the place specifically you know like number 14 seems to be like the famous or talked about hole over there you know the par five um Again, this is just me strictly just doing research and reading things. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Why don't you tell us a little bit about that course itself?
2: So it's 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 pretty cool. It's a great combination of um, long holes, short holes, difficult holes, easy holes. Like there's definitely a, a section of the golf course where if you're going to score really, ro- uh, really, really well, you got to play those holes really well. Um, you know, we we just finished a bunker renovation uh this past spring and you know it's made the golf course a lot tougher uh for the longer hitter in my opinion um you know but like the it's cool because the first hole starts off it's like a 320 yard little par four and it kind of starts you off like nice and easy and then the second hole is a 570 yard par five where you hit down the hill to a tight fairway and then you got to hit up to a green that's you know 20 feet above you and then the third hole is a you know 250 yard par three (laughs) so it's like it's like all right that 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 first hole was pretty nice that was nice of you guys and then it's like (laughs) holy cow here um but you know i i think my my favorite holes out there uh three the par three is awesome Actually, all the par threes, Uh, seven down the hill next to the bull barn um, is pretty awesome. Twelve and then 17. I mean, 17 and 18 are are two of the coolest holes because from 17T, you basically look down. uh, The T is a little elevated and you're looking down onto the green and then there's a gap in the trees and you got the clubhouse and the 18th hole behind. So you basically have this really cool view of 17 and 18 um and they they put in a new tee box this year 18 from the back tee is uh I'm sorry 17 from the back tee is like 265 and then uh 18s you know 440 it's a it's a great little uh you tee off here you kind of hit it over a ravine and then you got to go back uphill to the green um and you know it's it's like you, you hope to get off to like a a solid start um if you can get to hole number 8 you know without a lot of damage uh 8 9 10 and 11 are kind of where you got to got to make your birdies or or whatever cuz eight's a short little par 4 it's like 350 um 9 is a 560 par 5 but it's all downhill right so like <clears throat> when with the right conditions when it's firm uh with the right wind I mean, it's five. I think it's five seventy actually from the back tee. I mean, I hit sand wedge into that green, right? Because <laughs> yeah, like, like levels in the fairway, right? So if you if you hit it up the left side, the speed slots the left side. So if you hit it up the left side, and the wind is the wind is kind of like pushing you like down off your shoulder and to the right. You basically land it in the fairway, and it kicks all the way down. I mean, it'll roll 150 yards, all the way down to the bottom of the the flat, which is 100 and you know 20 yards from the middle of the green, or no, uh, from like the front of the green. Wow. So, you know, but I've also hit, you know, it's also been like crazy into the wind, and I've hit driver three wood and can't get, you know, can only get it to the other side of the fairway. Um and then I gotta pitch it onto the green, you know. So it's 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 a pretty cool design there. And then uh, uh, ten is ten is like, well, ten used to be like a uh, a super easy, hole, but from the back tee now they put a new tee by nine green and now it's you know four forty. Um, but the the old back tee was only about three eighty, and it it was actually like a direct line to the hole. It was only about three twenty five. So. If you were a bigger hitter, you could take a direct line directly to the hole and, and you know you hit a driver and you got a little chip shot. And then uh <clears throat> um eleven is a short par five. Uh I think it's like four ninety, but it's uphill. So it actually plays like five twenty-five. But again, if you hit it in the right spot and you catch, you know, you got the right wind and it's firm. I mean, I've hit I've hit eight irons in there, you know, so it's all kind of what are the conditions giving you that day, which is kind of cool about the farm because, um you know, it can play differently every day. And like this time of year is really cool because all the leaves are off the trees. So you can actually, like, I was looking at this the other day, like um, just the holes that you can see from the range. So you can basically see uh, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, 13, 14, and like 17 and 18. And every hole is like on its own level, right? It's like climbing up the hill or back down the hill, but it's on its own level. So it's almost like every hole is built to where you feel like you're the only person there, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's on, you mean like it's on steps steps almost? Like it looks like. Almost. Yeah. Like if you're you're on the range, you're on the range looking out over like the 10th hole and then up to the 12th, the 14th, and then the 15th, like, you know, say 10 is here. 12 is here, 14 is here, and 15 is up here. Gotcha. Right. So it's 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 kind of cool how how it's how it was designed because it every hole is on a different level. And it's like the deeper you get into the back nine, you're kind of looking back down over the other holes. So it's it's it, it gives you the feeling of when you're actually playing, like you're the only one there. Okay. What's so your career awesome low? You? What's that?
0: What's your career low?
2: I shot sixty four there a couple of years ago.
0: Right, that's eighteen holes. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right, that's eighteen. But you know, we got we got a lot of good players at Hamilton Farm. Like, uh, you know, former PGA Tour player Jason De- uh, Jason, uh, Gore. Jason Gore. Gore. Yeah. He's there. Um, I know he shot sixty three from the back tees once. Um, Pat Wilson, who played in the two thousand fifteen U.S. Open. Uh, he shot 64 once. Uh, Max Grazerman, who plays on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, Max shot 61 from one tee up, with like a bogey on 16, I think. Crazy. Um, and, you know, so there, there's some, there's some good. Uh, Mark Costanza, like yeah. shoots, you know, 60 nothing there. I mean, yeah. he actually, actually, uh, Mark shot. Mark shot, I think it was 62 in a member guest in, like, October from, like, the the member tee, but, you know, 62, 62. That's
0: crazy. When you say Jason Gore specifically, like, it's so funny because I actually qualified for the New Jersey State Open this year, and I was – when I was hitting balls warming up before the rain, the round – like, I was awestruck because I'm a golf nerd. Like, I know who you guys are. Like, I follow it. I read about it. I'm always, like – and then to finally, like, be on the range and, like, watching you guys just, like, flush the ball. Like, I, I tell so many people the same story. I'm like, I was just awestruck. Like, I wasn't even hitting balls. I was just, like, watching Jason Gore pounded. Then Tyler Hall was next to him. And then Brian Gaffney was right down. like, I was just in awe of, like – because I you know the guys. You know who they are. Yeah,
2: yep.
0: You now you're seeing them in person, and these dudes are just mashin' the ball. And then there I am, this little guy, just like trying to bunt the ball two seventy down the middle. And it's funny because I actually played with Dean Dean Greiserman. He was yep. in my group that day, and I, it's just so funny because I I tell the story where at the Ridge there's one par five. I want to say it was like five fifty or something. It's pretty straight away, and I. My caddy was caddying for me as a member at Manasquan River. That's where I kind of grew up, which I'll dive into you with about the tournament. But, yeah. you know, I said to my buddy, I'm like, dude, I bond. I can't hit that any better. Gun where Dean is. how Dean bonded past me 76 yards. <laughs> and it was like, it's like insane how good these kids really are. Where I'm like grinding my ass off to shoot 74. And he's oh, yeah. going around making 68 look like nothing
2: like nothing I know, like it's, it's insane dude it, it's it's crazy man i mean the kids these days are so good and it's like they play with no fear whatsoever like they don't care if they shoot they don't care if they shoot 64 they don't care if they shoot 84
0: uh-huh.
2: right and it's like you know the days where they get it really like they fired every single flag and they they just they just go for broke on every single shot. And Mm -hmm. most of them are good enough to where it's like, you know, they shoot 64 a lot more than they shoot 84. Right. It's (laughs) just so much
1: risk. You know, it's so much quote unquote risk reward. But, but when you're hitting it so far and you're having wedges in, is it really risk reward when you're, when you're, it doesn't matter if you miss the fairway, like that whole Bryson concept of it doesn't matter if I, if I miss the green, I have a wedge either way kind of thing.
2: Yeah, you know, it's uh I think I saw a stat where it was like from 120 yards, if you hit a gap wedge from 120 yards, your proximity to the hole is the same as being 150 yards in the fairway. Right. So if if you can bomb it up there and you can act you're actually hitting the driver well that particular day, you know, your proximity to the hole is going to be a lot closer if you oh, happen yeah. to hit it in the buck. If you haven't hit it in the rough, you're essentially just still hitting it to the same distance you were if you were hitting a three wood and playing it back into the fairway. Right. But statistically, the funny thing, maybe not funny, but statistically, you're gonna hit as many fairways with a three wood as you are a driver. It's no different. Right. So if you hit if you hit fairways sixty percent of the time with a driver and you hit take a three wood just because you want to hit the fairway with a three wood, odds are you probably only hit the fairway sixty percent of the time with the three wood too. So you might as well just hit driver. You know, so if if you look at if you look deeper at the stats behind it, that's why you see, you don't see a whole whole lot of guys playing like the Tiger Stinger golf, or you're just trying to hit it in the middle of the fairway anymore. You know, because we know now through like decade golf with Scott Fawcett that the best way to play and, and to shoot the lowest scores to hit it as far down there as you possibly can get it.
0: Yeah, that 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 is a very popular thing too, by the way is decade golf. Like, I can't tell you how many times that we've heard that, you know, we were fortunate by Troy Vanucci invited us out to little mill and play with him. We played literally one day, we played 29 holes with him out there and he was speaking highly of decade golf and he's going to get more into that next season. So he can really dive into the analytic and stats side of things specifically and brought that up.
2: You know, I do it. I do it myself for my own game. I teach all my players to do it. I tell them all to go, look at the the information that Scott has out there. I mean, he has essentially figured out a cheat code for golf, right? So if you take the time to go through the, you know, his courses on his website, like you will figure out the cheat code. And a lot of it's like common sense, like, Oh geez, you know, I already knew that, but you're not doing it. Right. So it, it gives you the cheat code, but it makes you conscious and aware of what it is that you're having to do to basically not make big numbers, right? The, you know, a guy that shoots 72 and a guy that shoots 90, the average number of birdies that they have in a round, the guy that shoots 72 is like one and a half birdies around the guy that shoots 90 is like 0.7 birdies around. So it's like a half of a shot difference, but they shot 18 shots different. Right. And a lot of it is course management related because they just don't know how to play around a golf. Whereas right. this, the guy even far, has a better sense of, of what he's got to do.
0: Scott Foster just needs to relax a little bit on the twi- Twitter. <laughs> but other than that, you know, I, I do agree that is a phenomenal system. If he would just yeah. stand in his own way sometimes. But that's a that's another, whole other story. But um, let's talk a little bit about your win at Manasquan River. Obviously, okay. to me, you know, that I grew up playing there. Dad won the club championship back in 1988. Family's still there. Um, You know, if you were to ask me like my spot like that, that's where you know, I, I love and and talk so highly of. So obviously when I saw that you won specifically there and you're describing Hamilton farm a little bit, again, I've never been out to Hamilton farm, but kind of like Manasquan where that first hole is a little short par four, 320 yards. It kind of makes you feel like, all right, this is, I can do this. Then you get to that second hole and it is straight up the hill. It's obviously in my opinion, the hardest (laughs) hole out there. It reminds the way you described Hamilton farm made me think of Manasquan River right off the bat there.
2: And you know, I don't even, I don't even think the first hole at Manasquan's that easy, to be honest. No, you know? I guess,
0: but when you see the length, but, but yeah, length. When,
2: when you see the length of it, you know, I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, all right, I just want to roast the three wood over this, <laughs> tree, hit it by the front of the screen. and then I'm like, oh wait, if I miss it over here, I'm making a double. If I miss it over here, I'm making a double. So I, I hit, I hit seven iron all three days, but wow, uh, the. The first day I spun it back off the green. The second day I spun it back off the green. And the third day I hit a little pitching wedge from like 110 yards to take all the spin off of it. It landed like one foot onto the top, on the top level. Mm -hmm. The flag was like middle of the top level. So it landed like one foot there and then stayed there. I literally ran up there (laughs) in the background to try to mark my ball before it hit the (laughs) set Um, the land speed record Usain Bolt would have been proud of you (laughs) oh my gosh yeah I don't think I've ever ran that fast in my life (laughs) Uh, oh you know and and that first hole it's almost like it's a shorty but it makes you think and then the second hole is like holy shit like let's go this is golf yeah yeah so it was it's
0: talk a little bit about that tournament and and how you played and and you know basically that last 18 holes really for you coming down the stretch
2: so the uh we actually had a pro-am on Monday. So the tournament was Tuesday through Thursday. We had a pro-am Monday. Um, I was, you know, I was playing, I was playing well going into it. I was hitting the ball pretty well. I was putting well, everything felt pretty good. Um, In the pro-am, I started on hole 10. I birdied like four of the first five holes. I shot four under on the front nine and then I made the turn and I, like three putted one and I think I then I three putted like five, no fives yeah, fives a part five, three putted five for par, three putted six, whatever, ended up shooting like two over on the back and shot a couple under. And so I, I you know, I went home that, that night thinking, all right, you know, clearly it's out there. I just have to take advantage of the of the right holes, right? Yeah. So then uh the first round of the actual tournament, I went out there again, starting on 10. And I just, I was like, I just was a par machine. I part 10, par 11, par 12, par 13, par 14, par 15, par 16. Uh, Then I made birdie on 17, par 18, right? So I shot one under on the back. Uh, I made the turn, three putted one, three putted four, three putted five for par, so five, I three-putted that par five. I, I hit it on the green in two all three days and three-putted for par. Um, you know, so I ended up – I shot one under on the front. I ended up shooting two over on the back um, with four three-putts on the back. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, you know, I hit it fine. I just putted like a moron on the last nine holes. <clears throat> so I went to the putting green. I start. I, I worked on a couple of things. My ball position got a little too far forward. Um and then I went out the next morning. And I don't really remember. I remember it being tough because it was a little breezy. I think I had part one, part two, part three, part four, part five. Oh, I hit it like this on six. That long part. Six th- and seven. It was like, yeah, it was like two, it was like two twenty-five or two thirty. I hit a to like an inch. <laughs> Um, so that was a nice tap in. Um and then I
0: that I, hole's so no, I that hole always gives a lot of members out there and myself just fits. Just it's fits.
2: The, the the green is tough. If it lands like if it lands ten feet past the front of the green, it rolls to the back. Yeah. If it lands on the front ten feet of the green, it stays all it stays short, you know, so yeah, it's yeah. like
0: And if you You miss it right, if you're just right, you end up in the green side bunker on the right. You have to like somehow position it to where it's like between the pin and the left bunker so you catch the right shoot to where everything slopes in the right direction.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's a, it's a tough, it's a good design hole, I think. Uh, You know, and then I ended up making, I think I shot a couple under on the front nine. I ended up making the turn. I think I was one under on the back, my bogeyed 18 to shoot even. Or I'm sorry, to shoot two under in the second round. So I went from like 13th place after round one to I think I was tied for fourth after round two. And then round three, I parred one, parred two, hit it like two feet on three, made birdie. Then I made bogey on four, part five, part six. Then I chipped in for eagle on seven. So I hit, I hit driver, <clears throat> I hit driver eight iron, and the so back tees. Back tees, all no, not back. not back back, not like the six hundred one. Gotcha, the, the like five eighty.
0: Yeah, okay, okay. I was gonna say you made driver eight iron with the back tees all the way by six screen. That's huge.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. I'm not that big. <laughs> 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 so I, there in round one, seven iron two, and then eight in round three. And I hit it just a little bit right. So it kind of bound down the hill and then got into the little collection area, like just short of the right bunker. And the flag was back right, and I hit a little pitch up there, landed perfectly, took one hop, checked pretty hard, and then trickled out and just fell in the hole. So made birdie there, or I mean made eagle there, made like a 15-footer for par on eight, made a 25-footer for birdie on nine two-putted for birdie on 11, um, bogey 15, then 16, I hit it in the, like, waist area. The flag was all the way back right, and then I missed my second shot long right. So, I mean, I was, I had nothing. I was toast. So, I hit a pretty good little uh, chip shot to, like, 25 feet, and then I made that. And then on 17, 17, I hit driver, I'm sorry, I hit three wood, five iron to like 45 feet. And my caddy, uh, Clayton, he's like reading the putt for me. In like, he he called me off of the read that I was going to, well, I was going to use on 16. And it was a big breaker left to right. And he's like, it's not going to move as much. The wind's pushing it the other way. He's like, don't play it as much. So I, I played it where he told me and it went in. So then on 17, he's like reading this thing and he's like crouching down like Camilo and <laughs> like going all out on this thing because he knows he got to make a birdie in the last two holes because we were one shot back at the time. And <clears throat> So he looks at me and he's like, he picked this spot like probably 15 feet away from me. He's like, if you roll it over that spot with good speed, it's going in. I'm like, all, all right. right. So I hit the putt and it's rolling. It's 15 feet away from me. It rolls over the spot perfectly. I know it's good speed because so I hit it perfect. And I said to Clayton about 10 feet short, I said, it's going in. And that mother went right in the freaking middle of the hole. I
0: love that. Like,
2: from like five feet. So it was it was awesome. Um, and then 18, the first two days, I'd hit driver and then just hit a little chip up there. But I I think I kind of like overthought it. I hit a six iron. It kind of one hops into the left rough. I got kind of a crap lie. I hit an okay shot, but it lands on the bot. It lands on the down slope on the back side of the green side bunker. So it shoots it all the way across the green, and the pin is very front, front, front left. Mm-hmm. I've got a chip from the back all the way down to the front to the front left. <clears throat> this is
0: part of the green right there.
2: I mean, it's it's crazy breaking. I had a really good chip actually. Uh, landed it perfectly, rolled down, actually rolled past the hole, back up the, like the, the back of the bunker, and then came back down to like six feet. And then I made that. So, um, so I ended up shooting four under the last day. Um, Brian Gaffney hit it in the left greenside bunker on 18. We were tied for the lead. He hit it out to like six feet and then horse shoot it. So, but I, you know, I, I, I clearly I played well. I actually had the I had the low round. Of, I had the low round of the day in the second and third rounds. Yeah,
0: that's golf. That's you golf. Know, yeah. That's a
2: that's a that's a good recipe for winning a tournament. For sure it is. No doubt. Uh,
1: I just so. So, Nick, Mike knows, the course, much more than I do. But how, before I ask my question, I want to ask you, how many times have you played Manasquan River? Is it just before then? So you played the pro-am
2: and then three, and then three days. Yeah. I played the, the pro-am was the first time I ever stepped foot on property. Really? Okay. Cause, yeah.
1: Cause I'm listening to you go through it and it's like watching a beautiful mind. Like as he's, as he's going through, you're like, okay, like you can, for having never played that, you can tell every shot that you hit that day. Like you can go through and big hit driver, like here, boom, boom. You can go through like, that's, that's some that's yeah. some like beautiful mind
2: kind of shit there. <laughs> so, Yo,
0: Ryan, real quick, Rick, before you answer, and you know what's funny? Like, I pulled up his his scorecard from each round, so I'm listening to him as he's going through. He's like, "I birdied 11." I'm like, "Yep, check that box." Like, I'm watching him, Ryan. I got the scorecard pulled up, and word for word, he's telling me exactly how the scorecard matches.
1: I mean, that's oh, just, yeah. for someone who's never played it before. I think that makes it so much more impressive that you've never played it before, so you don't know the course, but you're able to just <laughs>
2: you know i i've always like i've always been able to remember like there's a couple holes on the back nine in the second round that i don't i mean i think i made a lot of pars i think i made a couple birdies but i know i definitely get 18 um but you know there's it's just like there's certain shots that you just remember right and whether they're good bad or 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 indifferent like you just have a, a tendency or i have a tendency to remember those and I've always kind of had this like gift of remembering every shot I hit. Right. Like I, I remember every shot I hit in the final round of the state tournament in high school. when, when I finished runner up, right. Like I, I remember literally every single shot, um, you know, so I think it's just, I think a lot of golfers are like that. Like a lot of, like, if you ask PGA tour players, like they can rattle off, you know, every single shot they hit in the last round of a tournament they won. Like, I I just feel like it's it's a weird ability that we have to be able to recall that information pretty easily and pretty quickly. And I mean, even down to like the, you know, what it felt like, you know, the wind hitting our face or, you know, maybe the sun was in our eye as we're trying to, you know, as we're looking down the putt, uh, down the line when we're hitting a putt, like all these little things, you just remember all this stuff.
1: I'm kind of the same way, but I have to have played the course a few times to know like kind of where I was. Like I couldn't I couldn't go to Manisquan and and do that, I don't think, especially with like the ease that I just, again, just watched you go
2: through. It was just was like as if you were watching it on tape. It was really impressive. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's uh, you know, and and I was I was lucky. you know, I guess I'm, I'm fortunate. You know, I I remember the good shots way better than I remember the bad shots. Um, you have to, you know, so I was fortunate, you know, I hit a lot of good shots in that last round, you know, so they're kind of hard. They're kind of easy to remember. Yeah. It's <laughs>
0: you know? a good problem to have. Oh,
2: so, um, yeah. Yeah. Is, you know, is, is a good day to hit a lot of good shots. So, so
0: this way, we I obviously, listen, Ryan and I are junkies. We could talk here for hours, and I don't want to keep you here longer, but we always kind of end things with two questions. Um, Ryan, I think what I think is the best ending question that you can come up with. But, you know, for, for guys that are listening and people that, you know, the audience that's out there, you know, talking about like golfing specifically in the Garden State, because that seems to be like our theme about what we're trying to, you know, get out there to people like if you had to give the audience a spot that they could get on and play, maybe like a, a public and a private spot that you would recommend in the state, like if you got invited to go play this private course, you got to drop what you're doing and figure out a way to go. And you can't, don't bias Hamilton Farms out of the equation in terms of if they got invited to go play. Do, do you have one or two that kind of stick out to you?
2: So if, if it was a, I think there's different, there's different categories in there, right? So if it was a, a private place, that's a big name place. If you get an invite, if you get an invite to Ridgewood, you drop everything. Ridgewood is off the charts. Um, like a sleepier place. That's a little less known. And I, I don't really know if it's that much less known, but to me, it is Uh, Hackensack golf club is unbelievable it is so good um public places and this is going to sound bad but i really only have ever played golf courses in new jersey that we've had events at mm-hmm. right so you know we're we're lucky a lot of our events are at at private clubs so um i we're think sure. that
0: we've, we've we've asked other people that and they've kind of said yeah. you know more or less they've been you know now
2: now that said the the public play I have played uh in like in Jersey like 30. City? so I've, I've played that night i played that whole a- course it's actually really cool
0: uh-huh
2: so I, I I really like that me and, me and a couple of my buddies went there a few years ago um that place is really cool so you know if if you were gonna go look for a place to play I think that's pretty cool because you get everything you want in nine holes it's a great it's a cool design you know you can play it twice if you want but if you want to get in and get out in 2 hours it's it's a pretty good pretty good deal
1: mike mike only plays 18 holes when he plays so he has to go around
2: twice <laughs> we just play two balls in every hole you can, you can just go around oh, once there you go we could do that too <laughs> yeah
1: nick I, I you know talking a minute ago about like golfers kind of being quirky or whatever, and being able to remember every shot. I do think that, that like, by nature, golfers do tend to be that way, and and superstitious kind of goes with that. So when you're playing in a competition, what are some superstitions that you might have or some quirks that you might have that that you know might be irrational, but you're also
2: going to keep doing them? So (laughs) I got a few. Um, We all do. (laughs) So – in college, in college, I don't do this anymore. But in college, I won a golf tournament because it was like freezing cold in February, and I wore two pairs of socks, and then like my golf shoes, right? And I, I ended up winning the tournament, so I'm like, all right, I got to wear two pairs of socks now every time. So for literally like three years, I wore two pairs of socks every time I played around golf. Um, but now, now it's like, uh, um. I wear navy. I, I wear navy pants in the fi- on the final round. Every every time I wear navy pants in the final round, and then the shirt is chosen. Um, the shirt is chosen by if I've actually played well in that golf shirt before. <laughs> it's like so asinine. It doesn't make any sense. But like, if I shot sixty five in that shirt a couple weeks ago, I'm gonna wear that sucker again today because I need that sixty five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like silly stuff. Definitely, it's
0: definitely the shirt, you know. It's
2: definitely. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I'm always, I, I've always been a, a big uh, proponent of uh, what primetime say. If uh, you look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good, they play good, they, play good, they pay good. Yeah. Right. I, like thought about that. Right. For for whatever reason. Um, That's awesome. And, you know, I always, I always, I carry two T's in my pocket. Um, I got one long T. the
0: T thing? Yeah, you're, I like the, you're like the 10th person we've interviewed. And I cannot like, tell you how many people tell me the 2T thing. I tried I, the 2T so, thing, and I shot 44 nine holes. And said, so I'm yeah. never doing this 2T thing ever again.
1: So he's so Mike's never carrying T's in his pocket. And then he's he's like, okay, I'm putting two T's in my pocket now. He goes out, plays the worst I've ever seen him play. Ball is all over the planet. He can't make a putt outside of three inches. It's incredible. And then, never so he's like, again. so he goes, fuck this. I'm not, I'm taking the tees out. And then he, he <laughs> went and then we played 27 that day and he went like two over four over or something like that.
2: <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I know, I know guys that either have 10 tees in their pocket or they have like a specific amount. And I never liked like reaching in there and having a bunch of shit in my pocket. Right. So I've got a long tee and a short tee. Um, my divot tool and my ball marker right and that's it nothing else goes in there um I always keep chapstick in my you know my like chapstick in my left pocket for whatever reason um what else those are kind of the main ones oh I only play with I only play with is 1 I don't play any other number um I hated playing like I I would always whenever I would buy a dozen balls because, uh, in college we used to, I used to play with all the numbers and I just specifically remember like playing poor rounds with twos, threes, and fours for whatever reason. And so, you know, I got to the point to where, you know, I'd go buy us a dozen golf balls. Luckily I don't have to buy them anymore. Um, but I, 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 saying, I, thought, I
1: know where this is going and it's about to get expensive
2: <laughs> oh yeah I, also i I, would, I wouldn't buy four dozen what i would do is i would just pull the other i'd pull the twos threes and fours out and then put them in another box and then pull the ones out of every other box <laughs> so, the guys at the club are like what is wrong with you i'm like i can't play with anything other than a one
1: uh, uh, yeah cool. Again, uh, as just, I started with, like golfers you? are quirky by nature, and like we don't, there's no rhyme or reason why we have it, but we're there's not one golfer on the planet that doesn't have something like that, and it's
2: just, it, it's it is what it is. Yeah, it's. And, you know, I, I think the I think the more that you play, the more you have those things, those like little weird corks that just are like unique to you because, you know, you hit one good shot. And, and this was, you know, like you had this in your pocket or you had this to eat or you had whatever it is, right? And it just, you know, because golf is so hard and it's so hard to hit a, a good shot that when you had something like external like that, you just think that, okay, well, that helped me hit that shot better. It's insane, but that's just the way our mind works. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But listen, oh, listen, sure. I, I don't want to keep you any longer. I I really do appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Nick, thank you so much. Appreciate you jumping yeah. on here. This is, this was awesome. Ryan and Mike, thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys thinking of me and and I look forward to doing it again. Absolutely. I
0: appreciate it. All
2: right, thanks guys. Take care. Yeah. Right. See you guys.